Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Now, the amount of big player injury news, good and bad, could, could overwhelm us here over the last 12 hours or so. Woof. Welcome. Welcome. To Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. We'll start with the bad because it, I don't feel like we need to get it out of the way. Paul George, we don't have a report on it yet, but we do know that it was ugly. It was the late game yesterday, so everybody had a chance to tune in and watch as PG got bumped in midair, landed awkwardly on his knee. It buckled, it seemed to hyperextend. We don't know the uh, exact extent of it. I think the hope for all of us is that it was just a hyperextension and that the knee didn't kind of buckle left or right, which was, I thought, kind of hard to tell during the video. But this is not a day-to-day thing. Even if they claim it's day-to-day, which we're seeing from teams lately, looking at you, Kevin Herter, even if they claim it's day-to-day, this is not going to be a day-to-day thing. And so the first thing I want to talk about on... Uh, tonight or today's show is, and I'm I'm getting distracted here because more stuff is is breaking and flashing through. Uh, as 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 we're trying to talk about a podcast, um, what does this mean for the Clippers? Well, on the the broad sense, the Clippers opportunities here to make a big playoff run, they do hinge on whether or not Paul George is going to be healthy enough to go. But even in the shorter term, the Clippers are the five seed, but they're a game up on six, one and a half up on seven and eight, two up on nine and ten, and two and a half up on 11. As of a day and a half ago, I thought the Clippers were pretty safe to make the playoffs. And I still think they're pretty safe to make the playoffs. But to escape the play-in now feels much more in jeopardy because the Clippers actually have one of the hardest schedules of anybody in the NBA down the stretch. They lost to the Thunder yesterday. They host the Thunder again tomorrow in a in a uh, Los Angeles two-step. They've got the Pelicans on Saturday fighting for their lives. The Bulls on Monday, who are all of a sudden one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. The Grizzlies twice next week. The Pels again. The Lakers. And then finally, what would appear to be a break on the penultimate day of the NBA season. They host the Blazers, who at that point will have shut things down. And then they've got the Suns on the last day of the regular season, which we all often look at that last day and think, well, you never know what the hell is going to be going on. But Phoenix... If they drop back, they'll be fighting. And if they make a push forward, they'll be fighting. My guess is that they the Clippers get the Suns without one or two key guys, but they may also try to be work Kevin Durant back into the mix. So the Clippers have a really rough schedule between now and the end of the year. It's not that many games left, mind you, just nine. But I would argue seven, maybe even eight of those are going to be extremely competitive ball games. Yeah, they've got Kawhi. Yes, Kawhi is still there. Uh, But that Memphis-New Orleans is a back-to-back, the 31st and the 1st. And the last two games of the regular season are a back-to-back. So they won't have Kawhi for two of these games. 
I don't think, unless they're like the 10 seed and they need to win to make it in. Maybe then he plays in a back-to-back, but I doubt it. What about for the rest of the Clippers? I got this question a bunch last night right after the injury happened, and my feeling is that you're going to get too much Russ in the short term. You're going to get too much Russ. Um, He's been, by all accounts, a better fit with the Clippers than he was with the Lakers, but some of that is because he hasn't really been asked to do that much with the Clippers outside of those first four games or whatever it was when they were like, Russ, you get to just play 35 minutes and you put up big numbers, but the Clippers were losing. You're probably going to see a little bit more of that. The Clippers have been winning lately with Russ, not in spite of, he hasn't been bad. I don't want this to come off like a segment that's going to bash Russ, but what's about to happen is that they're going to need him to do more and then you're going to get the so the like the maximum rust stuff that we saw with the Lakers. It's going to happen again. That's not the role where he can be most effective right now in his NBA career. The role that the Clippers were carving out for him after they overplayed him for a couple of games was the one that made sense, which was energy guy. Defense, passing, don't worry about much else. If you can get to the rim and score a layup, do it. But don't worry about much else. The turnovers were still there. The percentages were still not good. But he was he was a role player. And now they're going to have to bump him up to more than that. Until, and I don't know if this is ever going to happen, but until we hear from Norman Powell. Because to me, and I, again, I have no idea if we see him at any point, uh, the last update on Powell was from two or three days ago that he would be out at least another week. Which puts us, as I'm sure you guys have all figured out, like a week and a half from the end of the NBA season. Well, that I guess from his reevaluation, his reevaluation would be two weeks from the end of the regular season. But that doesn't mean he's going to be back. The good news on Powell is that if he does manage to get himself back in there, it's a shoulder thing. So conditioning-wise, he shouldn't be that far off where he was before. And should, I would assume, be able to kind of parachute right into 25 minutes. But... From a fantasy standpoint, that doesn't help us on the head-to-head side. It might help us on the Roto side the last week of the season. In the meantime, Russ probably becomes startable in most formats, with the exception of 9-cat Roto, where he's likely going to be doing more damage than good. 8-cat Roto, he's probably a start. Uh, most head-to-head formats, he's probably a start because you can just sort of attack categories and build your week-to-week strategy around a guy that you can get a pretty big power boost from. And frankly, you know, I get it. He's likely rostered in most leagues because most leagues don't care about the fact that he's number 220 on a per game this year. Most leagues are like, well, if I have Russ, I'm probably punting field goal, free throw, threes, turnovers anyway. So points leagues, let her rip. Nine cat head to head. If you're punting any one of those three things, you could probably let her rip. Eight cat, if you're you probably can just let it rip, but if you're eight cat and you're punting a percentage, then absolutely let her rip. But nine cat roto, it, it, he's at a point in his career where it actually doesn't matter how much usage he gets. He's doing so much damage with his usage, it can't even counterweight it. 
because he's shooting 42% from the field, 66 at the foul line. He's averaging almost four turnovers a game. And that's without being the alpha. Which, again, he's not going to be. He'll be the beta behind Kawhi Leonard. But he's going to get to do a bunch. I also got asked a bunch about Eric Gordon after the news broke. Uh, Yeah, he's going to play more, but Eric Gordon's another guy where we've seen his fantasy game for a really long time, and it's not about to magically change with the Clippers. He's a uh, three-point shooter who can make some free throws, who's a disaster at field goal percent, doesn't rebound, doesn't pass much, doesn't steal much, blocks a little bit, actually, for a guard, but not enough to make an impact. Where does that get you? Again, I think if you're in a particular head-to-head build, that could possibly work for you. If you're in a points league, that could possibly work for you. But if you're in most nine-category formats, he's probably not going to get enough usage. And the same story for Terrence Mann, who actually has a slightly better fantasy game, but rarely gets the usage consistently. If Russ wasn't there, I would say hell yes on Terrence Mann. But Russ is there. And those two dudes are going to be butting heads a little bit. Who do you think is going to end up getting more of the usage when all of this shakes out? The young guy who probably should be getting a little bit more, but probably also won't assert himself among these sort of legends of basketball. Or the old dude who refuses to seed his own mortality in the basketball sense. I think we know the answer on that one. So that's what I think is going on with the Clippers. In terms of returns right now, it sounds like John Morant might be back tonight and possibly coming off the bench. It sounds like Cat will also be back tonight. Cat himself says he doesn't foresee having any restrictions. I think that's uh, complete insanity. He will almost definitely have a restriction. Dude missed 51 ballgames. Unless the Wolves, like, secretly had him playing... Uh, 15, then 16, then 18, then 21, then 22, then 24 minutes in games that no one was actually able to watch at real game speed. There will be a restriction of some kind on Cat. So what does this mean from a fantasy standpoint? Well, for Carl Anthony Towns, is 16 to 18 minutes enough to start him on the Roto side? Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I think he's going to go adrenaline crazy in this ballgame. So for whatever time he's out there, he's going to be chucking. 
He's going to be going, like, trying to get his wind in. And, you know, he might take 12 shots in 16 minutes. So when you think about it from that perspective, no, I mean, the rebounds are probably going to be a little bit harder to get in limited action. But he's going to take shots. Um, and he's just going to be going to try to get his legs back underneath him. So normally I would say no. I think the answer is if we find out that he's going to go 16 or more, I probably would start him and expect like a top 100 to 115 range kind of game. From the head-to-head standpoint, he's a really difficult call to make, actually, because they have this one, and then they're off all the way until Sunday, and then they're in a back-to-back. Again, they might say that they're hoping he'll play in the back-to-back. I'd be pretty surprised if he did in his second and third games back from what was almost a season-ending injury. So, what if you only get the one game out of them this week? I I know this is a really hard pill to swallow, but I think that someone else is going to let somebody else pick him up this week. I know you're going to want to have him for the three games he probably plays next week because he'll probably be at 20 minutes, 22, 24, something like that. And then he'll be putting up pretty good fantasy lines in that amount of playing time. But I really do think that this is an ad this week that might kind of torpedo your team when you could be getting what out of cat is probably the equivalent of like one cat game versus three of any number of dudes on the waiver wire between this time and the end of the week. I mean, you're like, Dan, he's going to play in two games. I'm like, yeah, but he's going to play half of each of them. So do you really want to make an ad to get basically what the equivalent is one full game out of cat? This week, two half games, two half games added together. Or do you want to go to, I don't know, the Lakers and get three games of 25 to 30 minutes out of like an Austin Reeves? Or or, or do you want to pivot to a team that maybe plays on the non-high traffic days? Or do you go Indiana? They've got three games and they have that's in the next four days. They got a bunch of fringy dudes right now. Houston, Golden State, Dallas, Chicago, Charlotte. They go three times the last four days of the week. Brooklyn, three times left. Atlanta's got three games left. I didn't even go in the other direction alphabetically. Oklahoma City's got three games left. I mean, the, the list is actually ridiculous. Uh, Milwaukee, who the hell else? You know what? Let's just do the whole list at this point. Philly, Phoenix, Portland. San Antonio, Toronto, Utah, and Washington. Every team that I just listed had three games left this week. And a lot of them go into a four-game week next week. So if you're like, oh, but I don't want to miss out on three games of cat that probably total out to about 70-ish minutes next week, well, at least you can sort of bury your sorrows in an ad you make that gets you 75 to 90 minutes this week over cat's 30 what do we think, 34 minutes, 36 minutes in his two-game this week? You get an extra basically 55 minutes out of somebody else. And then you could probably get an extra, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes out of that same pickup next week, which, again, probably loses four games of your whoever pickup, 100 minutes of whoever versus 70 minutes of Cat. Cat probably actually wins that battle despite the fewer minutes played because of stat set. But it's not as wide a gap as you might be thinking. Roto's side, obviously, you pick up Carl Anthony Towns. I doubt anybody dropped him anyway, because in Roto, you can usually just sit on a guy until the end of time. 
But head-to-head, if you pick up a player who has three games left this week and four games next week, which of all the teams I just listed, like half of them fit that uh, that ledger, then you can look at it from, okay, you know what? I'm going to get seven games out of somebody who's going to play between 25 and 30 minutes per ball game. So seven times 25 is 175. Seven times 30 is 210. So think in your mind. I'm going to get between 175 and 210 minutes out of this guy I pick up this week and next week. If you want to take the midpoint of that, I'm fine with it and call it whatever that is, like 190-ish, just under that. Uh, or no, just over that, sorry. Um, or compare that to Cat, as I'm trying to do math quickly in my head and, and biffing it, where you figure he's going to take off one of that back-to-back Sunday, Monday, Golden State, Sacramento. So he has one, two, three, four, five games where he's on ramp-up mode, which is probably 16 minutes, 20 minutes, 22, 24, 26. Do we want to play it like that which okay 16 plus 20 is 36 plus 22 is 58 uh plus 24 is 82 plus 26 is 108 did i do that right so basically 200 versus 110 minutes that's a big gap folks over the next two weeks i hope that math made sense this is how you need to think through Weekly lineup decisions, long stream lineup decisions, things, all, all things of that nature. I think this is actually a really important lesson to kind of internalize a little bit. Uh, on the jaw front, you know, once he comes back, he's rolling. So that's a much easier decision because he missed, what, two weeks? And he's super young and healthy. Um, so it's a very different monster on the jaw side. But let's officially dive into what happened yesterday. I know that there was a lot there to unpack at the front end of the show. That was the like the world's longest show opening rant. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Welcome to my recorded and live viewers alike. If you're watching live, please like and subscribe. If you're watching or listening on the recorded side, please drop a five-star review. And uh, coming aboard, think about coming aboard on the YouTube side. Come join us for a live one here in, uh, in the not-too-distant future. I think you'll... Enjoy yourself, because you can get your questions answered in the live chat room immediately following the show. What happened yesterday? It wasn't a particularly big card, and we already talked about Paul George, so I figured we had time to kind of shoot the breeze on some superstars here at the front end. Orlando beat Washington 122-112. Huge game out of Gary Harris, which I'm, I would sound even more surprised, except that I strongly considered a Gary Harris ad yesterday, because... The Magic only had three games, but they play on wonky days. Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. And I thought, you know what? I could pick up Gary Harris here, and I could actually gain a game or two just because of the days he's playing. And then I thought, nah, I can't trust Gary Harris. And then Gary Harris went nuts. Oh, well, what are you going to do? There are really no other notes on the Orlando side. As far as Washington goes, uh, the team was healthy, but Beal was bad. He also fouled out in 31 minutes, just sort of an off day there. Um... You got a better ball game out of Denny Avdia, but he is not day-to-day trustworthy. Daniel Gafford, 24 minutes. He had a good game, but again, you can't really trust him daily. Monte Morris, Corey Kispert. DeLon Wright has completely fallen off a cliff. I, I, I cannot believe that he's disappeared this way, but he has. Here's the thing. On the Roto side, you're not dealing with any of those dudes. On the head-to-head side, if you added them yesterday for what is a back-to-back and a 3-4 and four and a 4-6, and six, 
you got to ride it out for however long you planned on it. So, like, don't drop DeLon Wright in a head-to-head side because their schedule is good. They have three games left this week. Same story for Morris, Gafford, Avdi. I know they all had good games, so that makes it easier to, to hold on. Same story for Corey Kispert as well. Uh, but the other thing to keep in mind for Washington, because we spent a lot of time talking about how the Pacers might be a week-ish away from shutting down the veterans, the Wizards should also be in that discussion. Washington's in a bit of a free fall that I don't know that we've really talked about at all. They're 2-8 and eight their last 10 ball games. They've been blown past by the Raptors and the Bulls for those last two play-in spots in the Eastern Conference. They're two and a half games up on the Magic now for bottom three in the East, although like both of those teams have been way too good this year to be fighting for the bottom. But there is something to be said for, you know, could we have like the sixth worst record instead of the seventh worst record or something like that? You just give yourself ever so slightly better lottery odds. It is not out of the realm of possibility that Beal and Porzingis are done after this week. If the Wizards lose the next three ball games in a row and the Bulls and Raptors win one or even two of those, that would put Washington three to four games out with two weeks to go. And if that happens, we need to be ready for it. If they shut down Porzingis and not Gafford, holy moly, Gafford could be a league winner the last couple weeks of the season. If they shut down Bradley Beal and not someone like, say, Monte Morris, who's been really good, or DeLon Wright, who could slide back in, or even Denny Avdia, there are a number of guys on the Wizards that could go from being extremely fringy to super productive the moment we hear somebody's getting the plug pulled on their season. Keep a very, very close watch on that. Atlanta blew out the Pistons, which, honestly, they kind of needed to because the Hawks have a tough back-to-back now in, uh, I believe they're in Minnesota. Yeah, not not hosting the Timberwolves. So they go to Minnesota. Um, that's not a super easy flight, Atlanta to Minnesota. But they got the starters out relatively early in this one. I think only one Hawk cleared 30 minutes, and that was Trey Young. Um, so that's good for the Hawks regulars. They should have a little bit more in the tank than you would normally expect, and you want that because you probably grabbed a few of them for their four games in six days to end this week. No notes on Atlanta. A lot of guys that are sort of schedule plays. DeJounte Murray sat this one out. I think they're hoping to have him back for this next one, but uh, the illness is apparently not super fun for him. Uh, Okongwu is a start in all formats in 20 minutes of ball game. His fantasy stat set is extremely robust. John Collins seems to have mostly won his job back from Sadiq Bey, who actually had a pretty decent ball game in his own right. Uh, but Collins right now is a start in all formats while he's running a little bit better. DeAndre Hunter, uh, Sadiq Bey, those guys are schedule plays only. And Bogdan Bogdanovich gets elevated when DeJounte's out, but in general, he's a schedule play as well. As far as Detroit goes, the man whose picture is on the YouTube video today, Marvin Bagley with the line of the night, five defensive stats, four three-pointers, and efficiency without a turnover. I don't know where the hell this came from, but Detroit now with a horrible head-to-head schedule, so I don't even know that you can hang on there. They're off for two days, then they got a game in Toronto, and then they're off for two days again, and the game they have is on a high-traffic day. Yuck. 
Uh, Roto's side, there's just nobody else to play power forward. So you can hang on to Bagley, even with his massive fantasy game issues, which he does have. And you know the other shoe's going to drop at some point. But head-to-head, I don't know that you can hold on to any Pistons with one game in five days. There's literally nobody on this team that's been good enough on a game-to-game basis to warrant a hold over that kind of stretch. Nobody. Kill me if you want for that, but that's the truth. Karis LeVert had another good ball game. I thought he would fall off with Jared Allen coming back, but they still found minutes for him and found touches. And for LeVert, he's just been a pillar of efficiency lately. Two more steals, three more threes, good percentages in this ballgame. You know, so here's the thing. Anybody can have a good two weeks. And I don't mean that to, to be a slight on Karis LeVert, who's a perfectly fun NBA player. But we also know from an entire career at this point, a body of work, what the numbers are going to come back to. He is not an above 50% shooter from the field. He is not an above 80% free throw shooter. He's just not. He's shooting 42% from the field this year, 73% at the free throw line. That's, that's just the way it works. I mean, he's on a ridiculous steals tear lately. He's shot over 55% for four games in a row. He's made most of his free throws in that stretch even. Not, not perfect there, but he hasn't missed more than one in any one of those ball games. And he's just rocking right now. He's going crazy from three-point land too. He has 13 threes in his last four ball games. This is a guy that's averaged 1.6 per game on the year. In 30 minutes per game. The minutes haven't changed that much. The touches haven't changed that much. They're just all going in right now. Yes, he did get to do a little bit more when Jared Allen was out because the team was kind of forced to go smaller. But he only got nine shots in each of the last two ball games. One of them was with Jared Allen back. One was without. Can you assume he's going to average three steals a game the rest of the way? No, you can't. And he's not going to shoot 55%. But there's no rule that says you can't play a guy while he's hot. And that's Karis LeVert right now. Play him while he's hot. Cavs' schedule isn't all that great, but they are on the wonky days this week as well. So that helps too. Uh, Dayron Sharp who only gets to play against big opponents. That's kind of been the rule here for Brooklyn. They go to the the stretch five when they're playing against almost everybody, and then we see Sharp get pretty good minutes against teams like Cleveland. Milwaukee is gigantic. And Brooklyn, I believe, plays the Cavs again here in their next ballgame. Yeah, this is a, this is in a Brooklyn home-home. Uh, Brooklyn has Miami and Orlando. Orlando's not a huge team. Miami's pretty big. I don't know. You might see Sharp play one more game this week, and then you might not see him again until Minnesota? Philly? Makes him a really hard ad. I'd love to be able to say stream him the rest of the week because Brooklyn does have a good, very good schedule going Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, but he might not play in two of those three games. If you're going to stream a net, it probably has to be Royce O'Neal. Dorian Finney-Smith has been a disaster, but you could probably stream him as well. Um, And you typically see more Finney-Smith against the non-gigantic teams. So it's possible he doesn't play that much in the next one if O'Neal is playing well. Uh, But if 
you know, if Dorian's having a decent ball game, he might see extra minutes in their next one against Cleveland. He probably does play more in the other two. But this is all stream stuff. That team has no roto-level changes. Unless you really wanted to get nuts and stream sharp against the Cavs in the next one, but, oof, playing with fire. Uh, no huge notes on the New Orleans side. Um, Josh Richardson played better, uh, so he stole a few of Herb Jones's minutes, but I don't think I'd read too much into that. Typically, that's going to be Herb's spot. Uh, stick with what you got. Trey Murphy continues to be a start on the on that side as well. Uh, for the Spurs, I I am surprised. Sandro Mamu Kalashvili. Mamu Kalashvili practiced his last name a few times last night. Wanted to be able to say it on today's podcast. 20 points, three threes, and three steals out of nowhere. Dude basically hadn't been able to get a steal all year. His percentages weren't that great, and he just popped off in this one. Uh, but he's going to go back to a, a backup role because we assume Zach Collins is going to be playing in the Spurs game today on the second half of their back-to-back uh, Trey Jones will likely rest it. Doug McDermott, Romeo Langford, Malachi Branham, Devontae Graham, Kata Bates-Jopp. These are all the guys that have been sitting half of a lot of the back-to-backs. And you get Devin Vassell back. You get Keldon Johnson back. You get maybe Jeremy Sohan. It sounds like he might actually have an injury, but we'll see. Uh, and then Collins, who we also mentioned as well. I can't do the Spurs dosido do every single day. If you want to know my feelings on the Spurs, just like listen to any single thing that I've written or or podcasted about over the last two weeks. They have, let's see, Collins, Jones, Vassell, Johnson. They have four guys that you can basically just play because they're good enough nine cat, and then a whole bunch of guys that you're just like, okay, maybe I could do a one day whatever, or. I really need to get this Steve Stifler sound effect on a board here somehow. Of him just saying, I don't know, man. That sounds like a lot of work. Spurs are a lot of work for very little reward right now. Kings, not surprisingly, stunk because it was game five and seven nights. Teams get tired, especially when there's this much travel. Kings were on the road at Chicago, at Brooklyn, day off, at Washington, day off, in Utah, and then home to Boston off the altitude game. That's a, t- that's a really tough five and seven Kings are off for two days. Uh, Then they have a a pretty important home, home, home stretch here. Phoenix, Utah, Minnesota. Before the schedule really lightens up for Sacramento. Then they've got three possible tank opponents after that. Uh, So don't read too much into this one. This is kind of a throwaway game for Sacramento. A couple of guys got a few bonus minutes here with Herter still out. Might see Herter by that next back-to-back. We'll see. And then for Boston, they were able to put this thing away uh, midway through the fourth quarter. That's why the starters still had had pretty good-sized minutes. Uh, Robert Williams came back, played 21 minutes off the bench. He was fine. He had five fouls. They'll work him back in kind of slowly. I thought about a Robert Williams ad hunting big stats. But I think Boston's going to choose to just be kind of careful with him, possibly for the rest of his career. I guess we'll see. He's just a dude that's not going to be able to stay fully healthy and they have end of season Al Horford that they can lean back on end of season Al is a beast end of season Derek White apparently is also a monster hey remember on yesterday's show when I got the question in the post show 
uh, whether you should go Brogdon or White. And I said, ah, you, I probably like White. I mean, if you want points, I guess you could go Brogdon, but I think I lean White. Well, White smoked him. Whatever. One time. And then we already talked about Paul George. Uh, we don't... I still think I've been trying to check Twitter as often as possible to make sure that something doesn't pop up while we're flipping through here. Um, nope, nothing yet. Uh, go with what I said during my show opening rant on the Paul George front. And then as far as Oklahoma City goes, man, how freaking good is Jalen Williams? Holy crap, that dude is good and fast and confident. You know, I talked about how I need to be more chill uh, with rookies uh, and and the whole do not draft thing. And, I, and last offseason, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to relax a little, and I will take a look at rookie big men. But I actually think it probably comes down to finding rookies who have non-rookie bodies. Jalen Williams is a perfect example of that. Jalen Williams is a very stout man. I'm guessing a lot of folks that play fantasy sports don't actually look the, at the players that they're they're playing with. Jalen Williams is listed at 6'5", 211. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than 211. He's probably bigger than 6'5". He is so stout. He's also 21, so he's not a little kid coming into the NBA. That's also helpful. Uh... But then, like, that type of stuff, the season's rigors haven't worn him down the way that they might a rookie who's just kind of getting pushed around a little bit. Uh, he's shooting 52% from the field, which is kind of amazing. 79% at the free throw line, which is also really good. So maybe what I need to do... Actually, ESPN has him at 6'6", 195. That's way off. If he's 195, then I weigh 95 pounds. Dude is at least 20 to 30 pounds heavier than that. Maybe more. He's so stout. You know who's other? You know who else is kind of a decent example of this? Although he falls into the I need to be cooler with uh, rookie bigs thing is uh, Walker Kessler, who's also not a super skinny dude anymore. I think he last year he was kind of skinny, um, but he's stout. He's strong, man. He can hold his own. So it's. And I guess you could say Paolo, but then with Paolo, you knew there was going to be the usage side of things. So we'll get into the whole lessons learned stuff after the season's over. But I think with Rooks, one of the things we really need to be looking at is body type, percentages, and what sort of usage they're going to be expected to have. YouTube viewers just got to watch me pick a, a, a dog hair off my face. <laughs> See, why don't you want to watch the show on YouTube? That sort of joy... You just can't get somewhere else. Anyway, no other notes on the Oklahoma City side. It's it's the usual fare out there. Uh, Shea, Jalen, and then sort of like a sorta on Josh Giddy when everybody's healthy. And uh, you know what? I actually really appreciate the fact that very few of you um, asked me what to do with Lou Dort, even though he got warm for a little bit. By the way, while we were podcasting, Luka Doncic just got upgraded to probable which I'm blown away, actually, because I thought for sure that that Vegas line with the Warriors as a, a medium-sized road favorite, I guess it's short, was kind of trying to tell us that the big guys weren't going. Um, but Luka's going. Maybe they just don't think he's going to be that good coming back from the injury. I think he's going to be just fine. 
<laughs> I mean, what, what, like, what is not great Luca anyway? All right, that's your yesterday. Let's pivot into stream time. And today is actually a day where, as I've, I want to say, hinted at in the last couple of shows, I've been quite clear in the last couple of shows, today's a day where you are going to want to use some roster moves. For a number of reasons. Number one, you might have a player who got hurt yesterday. There was one in particular that got pretty badly hurt. His name is Paul George. Make sure he's not on a can't-cut list uh, on your commissioner's deal or whatever. By the way, I talked about the Spurs earlier in the show. They don't have a back-to-back. -back. Oh, they do have a back-to-back -to -back tonight. That's right. They're in Milwaukee. So I, I was right. Never mind. I was right on that. I thought for a minute that their back-to-back -back was next, but it is tonight. Okay, so... First of all, if you have any of the Spurs on your team that played in yesterday's ball game, but are probably not playing tonight, that's a spot where you could possibly abandon ship. Now, the Spurs did a thing where they're playing their best guys tonight for whatever reason. Maybe go get their butts kicked by Milwaukee. I don't know why they picked this night versus the other one. Um, but they did, so whatever. Uh, maybe because of the road trip, they figured they could just give them the first half of the of a road trip off as a travel day. It wasn't really a... I, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, so most of the Spurs that are fantasy relevant, you probably were waiting until today's game anyway, but if you happen to have, like, a Doug McDermott or I had a Kata Bates drop left over from a different stream, you can move on. Uh, because those dudes aren't playing that much. They're not very good. Yes, they would still have two games left this week, but they wouldn't do very much in those two games. The whole point was trying to get a bunch. So if you have a Hurt player, if you have a Spurs player who's not on the back-to-back, -back, or if you're looking at a team like, and, and we'll go down the board here, because I think this is actually really important. Boston has two games left. One of those two games is on a high-flow day, or, or however you want to phrase it. Uh, Cleveland has two games left, but I think they're on low flow days. Um, by the way, this is a toilet analogy. I don't know why I went toilet. I think I like toilets. Um, Denver has a game tonight and then they're off the rest of the week. So that's a club where you're going to be looking towards tomorrow to make any additional moves. If you haven't done it already, Detroit is the one you really want to pause on. If you have any Pistons on your team, get rid of them. This is a head-to-head -head discussion. Remember, Roto, you could probably hang on to Bagley, maybe Killian Hayes, maybe Wiseman. They're all a little bit iffy there. Uh, but head-to-head, -head, you should not have a Piston on your team until next Monday. That's that's just the way it works. Uh, Miami is a team that has a game today, so their move is, is likely to be tomorrow. Uh, Minnesota, same story for tomorrow. New York, their move is more towards Friday. Uh, Sacramento, they've got two games on a back-to-back -back the rest of the week. One of those is on a high-traffic day, so make sure that your fringy king is not one that's costing you a game there, where perhaps, you know, you could only get your king in on Saturday if you have, like, a monk or a herder or someone who's hanging out kind of near the edges. So there are a handful of teams, not a, not a ton, but a handful of teams that go into kind of a bad schedule now. And frankly, if you have a bunch of roster moves hanging around... You might even want to look to see if you have a team that has a slightly better schedule where a bunch of their games are on the high-traffic days. Like, say, uh, if you have a fringy Chicago Bull that goes today, Friday, Sunday, are you going to be able to get them into your lineup today and Friday? Or do you lose one or even both of those 
to overflow. Dallas now, with Luka coming back, do you lose an overflow game to a guy, that, to a guy that's probably not going to have that great of a contest in there? So check through your roster, check on overflow days, and then obviously start with the ones that have the worst schedules, Detroit being sort of the king of that board. And then in terms of which direction to go, well, you've got choices coming out of your ears. I think I mentioned this uh, during, maybe was that the pre-show? Sometimes I forget if I did it during the YouTube pre-show or if I did it during the actual recorded part of the podcast. Um, But look at the teams that have three games left. And on top of that, look at when they play. So the teams that have the best schedules are the ones that have three games that include Thursday or Saturday, or or maybe we should phrase it like this, the teams that have three games left that don't play today or Friday. Or maybe one but not the other, or something like that. So the teams that have three games left that dodge both heavy traffic days, I think is just Brooklyn. I believe that's just Brooklyn. They go Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. The teams left that have three games that dodge one or the other, Charlotte, uh, they don't play today, so you're not going to do anything with them just yet. Uh, Indy, no, that's not true. Sorry, they play today and Friday and Saturday, so they're actually, they knock out both of the high traffic days and then Saturday, but at least it is kind of a three-game left kind of week. Um... Oklahoma City goes Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So they're, they get one and not the other. Uh, and that is it. Then the next thing you want to look at is, if you're trying to dodge the high traffic days, is there a team that only has two games left this week, but they're on the low traffic days, and you have someone who plays on both high traffic days where you get rid of that guy and you actually gain two games despite the fact that your player has the same potential number of games as someone else. So Brooklyn was of a a big one because they go on both low traffic days and they have a game on Sunday. So that's three days left, three games left, and you're not going to have to worry about overflow. But there are a couple of teams. The Clippers is one of them that goes uh, tomorrow, Thursday and Saturday. So the 23rd and the 25th is what you're looking at if you're sort of just eyeballing the schedule. The Pelicans are the other one in that boat. Um, And then Orlando is kind of like a sort of maybe because they go tomorrow and then they go on Sunday. What I'm not going to do on the streaming part of the show today is tell you the exact players you need to pick up because there are a billion options right now, especially if you're not in overflow territory because then you've got like half of the NBA to choose from. But what I need you guys to do is look at your schedule for Wednesday and Friday right now. Find out if any of your players are in overflow mode and figure out, okay, well, if I drop that player and pick up someone who's on other days, how much of an impact can that have on my total number of games played? I hate to do this from my own team before I actually do it because there could very well be someone in the league that I'm playing against that now knows what I'm going to do, but they could probably figure it out anyway. The uh, I have a piston on my one remaining cash head-to-head league. I was only in 
two cash head-to-head leagues to begin with this year. My one remaining one, I have a piston. I am going to drop that piston today. The reason I'm going to drop that piston, number one, is that dude has only one game left over the next five days. So that guy needs to be dropped regardless. But the Pistons also play on Friday, where I actually have 12 guys playing. And obviously, I can only start 10 in this league. So by dropping the Piston, who frankly might be better than like the 10th guy or the 11th guy that I might have to plug into my lineup to replace said player. But that dude now becomes completely expendable. Effectively, I don't have a slot to play him the rest of the week. I can exchange that player for someone with hopefully three games. If you go Brooklyn, you get three. And there's a lot of scenarios where if you're just trying to like dodge Friday here, uh, you can get two the rest of the way, and I get a two or even potentially three game bump. So I'll probably start by looking at Brooklyn, because that would be from basically zero games to three. But then there's all these other spots where I could go, uh, where even it, maybe a team even still does play on a Friday, but they have if they have two other games as well, then I get a two game bump. I in that same league, I am looking at a San Antonio Spur on my team that played yesterday. That probably won't go today. That then would give me two kind of bad games. One of them also on a Friday. So that's a player that might give me one kind of bad game the rest of the week. Who I can also turn into two at the very least. Probably There probably aren't enough Brooklyn players on the wire to move into. But they are obviously the best option. Uh, I can turn that player into someone who goes today. Because Wednesday I'm actually not in overflow yet mode. It doesn't have to be Thursday, uh, Saturday, whatever. It could be Wednesday and then some other stuff. So I go from one like half game of 20 minutes to maybe 50 to 55 minutes out of someone else. Or if I go Brooklyn, maybe you could even go higher than that. So that's what I'm looking at. And I'm hoping that you guys can kind of do a similar thing with your rosters today where you're figuring out where the pieces fall and where you can get the most, the maximum value for what you're trying to do. Thank you, as always, everybody, for listening. This is another playoff episode of Fantasy NBA Today in the Chamber. I am Dan Bespris on Twitter. And again, I really would like everybody to, and I maybe I've done enough for this, uh, and I, it's hard to like give yourself a nickname because that's the biggest dick move on earth. But what I want to try to do for you guys is to be the hardest working podcaster and social media analyst on the planet. If that's the way that you guys feel about me when... If I ever hang up the fantasy analyst thing, then that's where I want to be. So uh, hopefully that's something we're working towards. I'm going to keep trying to do it. Thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.